Amen. You can be seated. We'll grab our Bibles, open up to John chapter 16. John 16. And we will uh, tonight look to learning to eat properly. John chapter 16, page 1244 in the Pew Bible in front of you. We'll pray and ask God's blessing on our time together and then we'll study. Father, we thank you for your perfect, inerrant, glorious word that you have so blessed us with, God. And tonight we desire, Lord, to worship you. And so, Father, will you help us to do that as we peer into the perfection of your revealed nature and character in Scripture. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you will do. And we give you glory, praise, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the question. The question is, where do you turn when you're desperate for the presence of God? Where, where do you turn? What do you do? What, what, what happens in those moments in life where you are... I don't mean when you're having a bad day. I'm not talking about when you uh, are just hit a bump in the road. I'm talking about desperation. I'm talking about the times in my life. I don't know what they look like in your life, but I know there are times in my life where all I could muster was maybe uh, to recite a, a passage of Scripture that encourages my heart, and I would just recite that, that one verse over and over through the tears of just the struggle that I was facing. Or a lot of times it's a, a song and I would just sing a chorus around and around, over and over. It's all I can... I, I mean, there's no creativity. There's no... I mean, I'm just hanging on for dear life. I, I distinctly... Uh, the, the most specific time in my life where I just felt so desperate and uh, just was struggling so deeply was as God was in the process of calling me into the ministry and I was so resistant and so hesitant and there was everything in me was uh, just utterly and completely opposed to God's will at that point in my life and I couldn't understand uh, how God saw this as a good idea and how God could ever use me and it just, I just was, I was in turmoil. And I would sing, I'm sure that I've shared this with you before, I would, I would just cry all day long and I would drive down the road just weeping and I would just sing to myself, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. That's all I could get out. And I would just sing that over and over and over. I just was trying to find some sanity, find some some bearing in my life. I just felt like the wheels were coming off and I was just, uh, I, I just couldn't get get a handle on it. You ever felt like that? You ever, you ever walk into a situation where there's just no, there's no answer. Your human wisdom is worthless, useless, has no bearing on the situation. The suffering that you're facing, you can't explain. You can't comfort those who suffer. You can just sit and, and peer into their eyes and, and look at the desperation and weep alongside of them and just together uh, hurt and just want God 
to come and, and help and mend and heal and speak. And you ever gone through a situation or a season of your life where your Heavenly Father seems distant? Where your, your prayer life is uh, nothing but, a, but, but just vain repetition? Where you've always wondered exactly what vain repetition was until that season of your life and then you knew for sure that was it. It would be like no matter what you tried to say to God, it just never seemed to come out right. You had no peace or no sense that He was hearing you, listening to you, that it was moving God to, to respond in any way. It just seemed like it was just bouncing off the ceiling and coming back. You know... You can know that you know that you know that you're a child of God. And yet at the same time, you can feel utterly and completely alone. You're not, but you can feel that way. So what do you do? What do you do? Or are you the the person that is saying in your mind right now, I don't know. I've never been there. I, you know the annoying type. The person who's just uh, the compulsive uh, denier. Yeah. No, yes, you, you know. If, if, you, if you have walked with the Lord, you know that there are seasons of trial and, it's, and struggle and We need to know what to do and how to respond when these times come. And God in no way, shape, or form is silent to this issue. The Bible tells us exactly what to do, exactly where to turn, exactly what will happen. And when we do, God God does exactly what He says He will do. We taste and see the glory of God through His Word. You see, if you think about this with me for a second, that if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, then what is that faith? It's because what we, when we quote that passage of Scripture, what we think about is saving faith. But it is also sustaining faith. And so the same faith that will draw you unto salvation will be the same faith that will propel you through Sanctification. And so, faith grows by the hearing of God's Word. And by the Word of God, we gain our sight. You see, we, we, we know, we, we gain comfort in the God who, who we serve. We know the character and nature of our Heavenly Father by the revelation that He's granted through His Word. And so, to the degree to which we're familiar with the Bible, that's the degree to which we know the person to whom we're longing to grow closer to, to, to know in a deeper, more intimate way, to have, to have help from. I mean, think of it as you maybe there's somebody that you once were very close to, but over time, because of various circumstances, you grew apart from them. And so you haven't been around them for a while. But then, for some reason, God brings you back together. And so in that reunion, you say something to yourself, or maybe you say to the person, you say, you know, I've forgotten how much I 
enjoy being with you. I've forgotten how much I love you or care about you. I've forgotten how much we have in common or how much you understand me or how comfortable it is when we're together. Well, so oftentimes Christians experience the same thing where they drift away from. They, something happens, their schedule gets turned around, there's some busyness that comes into their life, and then suddenly they, they begin to disconnect from God's Word, and we're not spending time in God's Word. And then what happens? We, we feel as if we've drifted apart, which, you know, there's this... And then we come back to His Word, and we're reminded of how sweet it is. And we wonder, well, why, why, did, I, why did I ever leave in the first place? So I want us to look at what Jesus has to say in John 16, where really this is a passage that primarily is speaking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which we've covered in depth here on Sunday night, not long ago. But tonight we're going to look at this from a bit of a different um, viewpoint with regard to God's Word, although it's impossible to uh, see any of this without peering through the ministry of the Spirit of God. So we'll talk about the Holy Spirit in the midst of it. But look in John 16 with me. Look at beginning in verse 12. Notice what the Scripture says, John 16, 12. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, just think about what the the beginning of that passage says. Look, Look at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And then with that sort of setting over us, then let's just think for a moment, for example, of what occurred on the Mount of Transfiguration. What occurred as Jesus is there uh, in the presence of God the Father and there's you know, Moses and Elijah in this amazing uh, moment. And what does God say in that moment in Luke chapter 9? He says, Behold, it's my son. Hear him. Isn't that interesting? Hear him. He, he Think of all the things you would expect God the Father to say in that moment. He says, Hear him. Listen to what he has to say. And now we have Jesus saying, Well, I have a lot more to say to you. But right now you can't bear them. What does that mean? Well, first of all, that means, number one, that God gives truth. God is the giver of truth. Let's, let's look at how that is in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, Jesus says, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. So what God is saying, what Jesus is declaring, is He is declaring that He is a God of revelation. Because he's saying that there's more that's going to be revealed to you, but I'm going to declare it to you. He's not saying that it's incumbent upon you to figure that out. He's saying, I'm going to tell it to you. So he's giving us an indication or or he's letting us see the character and nature of who he is as a God who reveals himself. 
Now, think about how that happens. Think about what you know about Scripture. Think about the, the people whose lives are recorded in Scripture. Is Scripture the story of man's search for God? Absolutely not. Not even close. Scripture is the story of a God who seeks after men and women who are doing everything they can to get away from that God. The Bible is the story of a God who relentlessly pursues men and women who don't want anything to do with Him. Because He's a God of revelation. He, he reveals Himself to us by design. He always has. He always will. That's who He is. You see, so when someone says, well, I, the way I became a Christian was I set out on a quest for truth or I set out on a quest to, to find God. And, and in that quest, I began a life of religion. I began practicing religion. That's not Christianity. That's not, that's not biblical Christianity. Oh, the, the, the great hymn says, I was lost, but now I'm found. It doesn't say I was lost and then I found my way back. That's not what happened. I was lost and I was found. The founding was external to my lostness. I was lost. Wandering aimlessly, I couldn't find my way out of the forest. Every tree looked the same. I was going around in circles and circles and circles. And had I not been found by some external force, I would still be going in circles and circles and circles. This is the story of the Bible, of the God who desires to reveal himself to men and women, to us. And it's really the, uh, the foundation of, of understanding what to do when you find yourself in a dry, thirsty, desperate place is you have to understand that the God of the Bible is a God who reveals Himself. That is critical information. Because, see, if you, if you wander off the path, right there at step one, that God reveals Himself to us, you're going to spend a lot of time aimlessly wandering off the path. Because He is a God who reveals Himself. He finds, seeks out, and reveals Himself to us. The only reason that we search is because we've already been searched out. I mean, just begin to... Just begin to go through the Bible and just start reading. Just start flipping the pages. And you're going to find this played out over and over and over. And that the story of Paul on the Damascus Road is merely the story of all of us. All of us were, were walking away from God with murderous thoughts in our heart. We weren't seeking for God and he revealed himself to us. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, here's what the scripture says. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. You see, it's these statements that, that just rub up against just all of who we are. 
In other words, would we, any of us, declare what we don't want to be as wise and prudent? No, that's what we want to be. But the Bible says, no, if you come to God with this, I'm wise and I'm prudent, you, you get silence. It's when you come as a, as a babe, when you come needy, when you come, you, you, can't, you can't force God's hand on this issue. He's a God who gives truth. He's a God who reveals Himself. And He reveals Himself to those he is seeking to save, to those he is, he is pursuing. And, and here's the thing, for you and for me, we need to understand that just as God pursued us, and I don't, I don't know all of your stories, but I know enough of our stories to know this, that based on everything that we've seen here as a family of faith, that when we encounter people, no matter who it is, no matter where we are, no matter how far they may seem away from God, don't underestimate the power of God to pursue and reveal Himself to them. Because He he wins out. You see, as I'm crying every day and as I'm just crackling out this... God, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. And I, I, I would just over and over. And then I started like just trying to, it was, you'd think you'd get tired, but you don't because you're, you're like a broken record. And you, and you feel like you're going crazy. You feel like you're schizophrenic. You can't sort what's going on. And you know God's dealing with you. But how does that get resolved? Do you think I resolve that? No. I would still be right there. But our Heavenly Father reveals Himself. And He continues to pursue. He continues to... To, to, to seek us. He relentlessly just continues to pursue until we see. But we see because He wipes the scales off our eyes that we may peer into the glory of who He is because He's a God who gives truth. Number two, He's a God who gives all the truth. Quickly but just utterly important, He gives all the truth. Notice in verse 13, however, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all Truth, Really, where it says all truth, if you have a, uh, a literal translation like the ESV or an NASV, it'll say all the truth. There's an article before truth right there. And so it's a definite body of truth that Jesus is talking about. That the spirit of truth is going to come and he's going to guide us into all the truth. All of it. It's all going to be there. So when Paul says, for example, in 1 Corinthians 2, and my speech and my preaching were not with pervasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, he's relating to us the, the source of this truth. 
and the, the permanence and authority of this truth. It comes in power and it's from the Spirit. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13. These things I, we also speak not in words which were man's wisdom. No. But with the, what words that the Holy Spirit teaches. You see, so these are truths that have been given by the Holy Spirit, all the truth have been given to the apostles, breathed through them to be recorded in the New Testament for us to possess in front of us. So if we fast forward all the way to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, where the Bible says, For I, the revelator, John says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. Why so serious? Because this is a defined piece of truth. This is a defined, definite article of truth. That has been given to us and it is all the truth. It's all encompassing. This is the truth that God has given to us. So to add to it or to subtract from it are equally sinful and equally horrific. And so what happens? I mean, who who adds to it? Well, a lot of people try to add to it. The most common thing we see in adding to it, this would be a, a conservative sin, whereas subtracting from it would be a liberal sin. So the addition of it would leads to legalism. The subtraction of it leads to license. Why would you subtract from it so that you could you could uh, gain some some liberty that's not given in Scripture? Why would you add to it so so that you could squelch down some authority that's not given in Scripture? But it it goes much deeper than that because then we have the, the various cults that will add new revelation onto the end of it. So in other words, we believe the Bible and the Bible is true Yet at the same time, we also have this new extra revelation in the Book of Mormon, for example. The problem with that is, is that it's impossible. And here's why it's impossible. Because in order to say what I just said, you have to call the Bible a liar. Because the Bible says right here, I mean, there's a thousand other places, but right here, he will guide you into all truth. Now, if he guides us into all truth, then what is this next truth? What is this new truth? What is this extra truth? It must mean that we didn't get all the truth. Now we need extra things. See, in other words, what Jesus must be saying is, is that I'm going to guide you into some of the truth, but there's some truth that you're going to need to put all the pieces together, but you're not going to get that for a thousand years. You're not going to get that for, you know, 2,000 years. But at some point in the future, I'm going to give the piece that you need to figure out all the other pieces. I'm going to give it to somebody else. That doesn't, it doesn't work. It's either all or nothing. And so he gives truth. He reveals himself, but in the revelation of himself through his word, he gives all the truth. But not just all the truth. Then number three, God gives us all the truth about himself. You see that he just keeps narrowing it in. He's just, he's saying, hey, when you're, when you're struggling, when you are dry and parched and thirsty, when you don't know what to do, 
I am the God who gives you all the truth about me in Scripture. He says in verse 12, I I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all the truth. All what truth? That's the question. All what truth? I mean, just think about this. What truth? Not all the truth that there is in the world. We know that because there's a lot of true things that aren't in Scripture. Right? Sure. The the Bible doesn't talk about uh, computer engineering. And there's truth about computer engineering, but it's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't talk about how to, you know, make muffins, but you can put some stuff together and mix it up in your kitchen and make muffins. So what truth is it? It's not all the truth in the world, but it's all the truth about Him. Everything that we need about Him. All the truth that we need, all the truth that is pertinent to our relationship with Him, all that truth is the truth that He's talking about. Enough truth so that you and I, through this truth, can see His glory. Which gives us a glimpse into the purpose of this God who reveals Himself, who gives us truth, who gives us all the truth, but who gives us all the truth about Himself. Well, why does He, why does He want us to see His glory? Why, why is Jesus always talking about John 16, John 17. There's all this talk about His glory when He's talking about all that the Father's given Him and all that He's now giving to us. And there's always this, as I've seen your glory, that they might see glory. And all this glory talk. What is that? Because the the purpose of this truth is that through this truth, we would see the revelation of who Jesus is. And when that truth comes to bear upon our hearts, it causes us to fall in love with Him. Glory. Glory. It means weight. It means significance. To see the significance and the weight and the importance of God. When you see the glory of something, you... You fall in love with that. It captivates your heart. You you exalt it as the most important thing. When a... I mean, yesterday I... I did a wedding and... I love weddings. I love that moment when... I'm standing there with the groom... And everyone stands up and we have this straight shot down the middle. And suddenly the music begins to play and the bride comes into view. And even though it just, it, it, it reminds me of my bride and it, Reminds me of I just think about how I would feel in this moment. And I just look at the look on his face as he's looking at the glory of this woman that he desires to spend the rest of his life with. 
the significance that she plays in his life is greater than any other woman. That I tell couples in premarital counseling that they need to learn to be good stewards of the power of their voices in each other's lives. That when a husband speaks to a wife, his voice has great power to edify or to damage. And when a wife speaks to a husband, her voice has great power because of the significance that they play in each other's lives. And so you've got to be careful with your words. Well, isn't that a picture of words and the significance that they bear in our lives. And as we look into the Word of God, we see the glory of God. We see the significance and the splendor of God. And we fall in love with God. He he draws us to Himself by pointing us to His truth and then revealing Himself in Scripture. My hope is that in a moment of desperation, in a, in a moment where through your, 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 your tear-filled eyes, longing for the warm embrace of your Heavenly Father, that in that moment where you are panting for the living water of His presence just as a deer is for survival that in that moment you would just intuitively reach your hand for your Bible and pull that Bible near to you and begin to remind yourself of who he is and what he has accomplished and then as as you begin to see and peer into His glory through the revealed Word. You see, because the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your heart is to illuminate this Word before you. And as you peer in and you begin to see the glory of God, it's then that you, you, you drop to your knees and you just bow your head and you just begin to thank God and begin to praise God. But listen... I'm just telling you from experience. It's a very, very difficult thing to try to just in a moment of desperation. Just bow your head and close your eyes and try to pray your way through it. Very hard. You know why? Because when you do that, you are you're just rewinding and rehashing the things that have already led you into this desperate moment. What you need is you need a glimpse. You need something to jar your vision. You need the Spirit of God to illuminate this Word so that you can rekindle and remind and and see what... and get a fresh look at the glory and splendor of God and then your heart... will respond with joy. Look at what the Bible says in Jeremiah 15. The Scripture says, Your words were found, and I ate them. 
And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And just, just look at that. Let's think about that. I mean, here we are. The weeping prophet Jeremiah. The, the, the lamenting man of the Old Testament. Who battled day in and day out. Who if ever a man was called to an impossible task, it was Jeremiah. Well, your words were found and I ate them. I mean, I didn't just skim across them. I didn't just taste them. But I ate them. I ingested them. I... I consume them within me. And what is the result of that? That your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Of my heart. It's that feeling of being away from someone that you love for so long. It's that, that, that moment where they're honoring uh, this family because of their uh, because of their sacrifice for our country and the husband or the dad or the mom has been deployed for many months. So they're recognizing the children or they're recognizing the spouse and what they don't know is that in this moment when they're saying, we're so, we're so proud of you, we're so grateful to you, we're so thankful for your commitment and your sacrifice and all of those things. But what they don't know is in that moment that their loved one comes out from behind them. And they don't know that they're there. And there's that moment when they turn and their eyes lock and they realize that the person they've so longed to see for all these months is standing right there. And they just begin to run as fast as they can. And there's no embrace like that embrace. All I can tell you is there's times when you open the Word of God and you read it. And it's not that you desire for it to be this way. It's not that you intend for it to be this way. But it may just be like reading the newspaper. It may just be like reading a book. But when you're desperate and you peer into God's Word and you begin to drink of the the water and the nourishment of the revelation of who Jesus is, who this God is, and all that He's done to assure that if you will just take the time and peer in, you will see His undying, unwavering love for you. It's like the embrace. It's like the embrace of that father and that little girl that haven't seen each other for a year. And we'd be so grateful how it 
becomes the joy and the praise of our heart. And so I just hope tonight, I hope that you'll just tuck this truth into your heart and you'll keep it in a place where it's readily available because you'll need it. Maybe there's someone here tonight that there's no tucking for you. It's right now for you to employ the Word of God, deploy His revelation and His love upon your dry and thirsty heart. I don't know, but I know this. God is a God who wants to be found. He wants to be found. And when I feel far from Him, He's not far from me. He's right there. And when I realize that there He is standing next to me, those are the sweetest moments in life. So my my hope and prayer for you is that you will allow His Word to just saturate your heart when you feel desperate. Let's stand, bow our heads. Father, we are so grateful and so thankful. Lord, what a blessed people we are. That God, You... You are so wonderful to be so persistent, so relentless in making sure that you are always there, always pursuing us, always with us, never failing us. And God, that we can see that in your nature and in your character through your word, that you have given us all the truth about yourself that our hearts can handle, that we can literally be just overwhelmed in the great love that is kindled in our heart as we realize your love for us. God, what will it be like to be face to face with you forevermore. Lord, to experience that love and to not be hindered by this flesh. So, Father, I just pray for all my brothers and sisters here tonight. Lord, I lift up the one or the two or the four or five who... Right now, tonight, they're dry and they are desperate, Lord, and hurting and struggling. And God, in the sweetness of that struggle, I pray that they will sense your presence, Lord. I pray, God, that you will give them glorious time in the Word, that you will speak to their heart, God, that you will show them just exactly that wonderful thing or remind them of that glorious truth that has just grown dim in their heart, God, about Yourself. And Lord, that in that time, Lord, oh, it would be so sweet. That reunion would be so glorious and so wonderful. Lord, thank You. 
Thank you for being a father who stretches us and pushes us, who doesn't just leave us and is not content with us to just sit still, but who draws us to to be people, to go places, to do things that we never thought we were capable of doing, Lord. To use us in ways that we never imagined. Thank you. Thank you for always, always seeing more in us than we can see in ourselves. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for his illuminating work in our heart. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for what you'll do in our lives, God. Thank you that it's always there, ever present. Lord, no matter what, if we find ourselves desperate, we can just peer into your word and see your nature and character. God, we love you. And we're so grateful tonight to be in your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.